There's a man who lives beside me who fought in World War II. He proudly waves, oh glory, from high upon his roof. He starts out every morning like it's Independence Day. I've seen him at attention Salute the flag and say I love this land From sea to shining sea I love this land Home of the brave and free I love the liberty, the justice And the truth in which we stand One nation under God Big cities, little towns While mama's getting ready Dad pulls the car around They join the congregation To sing amazing grace They pray to worship Jesus And they are free to pray I love this land From sea to
for joining us today. If you would stand, we'll continue with our service. Joshua chapter 24, verse number 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which, were your, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, please remain standing for the posting of the colors. Day, as we all know, is a very special day for all Americans. But to those of us who are veterans ourselves, that has a very special and added meaning. Memories come back of families and old brotherhoods, of distant days and places from the past. Some of those friends are still with us, sharing in the challenges of peace today, just as they did their duty in wartime. Others, we shall never see again. But we carry on the legacy of their spirit and commitment to a cause that was much greater than themselves. We are all here today, and we are all free today, because for over 200 years, whenever freedom has been threatened or our values have been trodden upon, valiant men and women have answered the call of their country in that time of need. 
from all branches of the services they risked and even gave their lives defending this great nation. We owe more than we can ever repay to the veterans of all wars in which they have been involved. And all those simple words will always fail to express our deepest gratitude. We can do more so by living the values that they upheld every single day. So today, let us be united for peace. Let us also be united against defeat. Let us stand in agreement in honoring the character, courage, and commitment of our nation's veterans. Steadfast, unwavering, invaluable. Semper Fi, and God bless America. Today, we recognize all our military veterans and those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in service to our nation. The hymn, Amazing Grace, penned by John Newton, has long time been a source of inspiration, encouragement, strength, and comfort for veterans during some of the darkest times of conflict and war. It serves as a rallying cry to reflect and fight on, fully trusting in the Lord's precious promises found in his holy word. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. In honor of Veterans Day, Amazing Grace will now be played by Sergeant First Class Sean Devine, Piper, an active serving veteran from the United States Army at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas.
and now stand, we'll sing hymn number 438, My Country, Tis of Thee. of the service. If you hear yours, please stand at that time as they play your anthem. All right, Brother Charlie, would you pray for us, please? Thank you. You may be seated.
Okay, if you're a veteran, uh, we're going to play your service song, so I'll announce uh, the order of the songs, and if you are a veteran, please make your way up front and remain up front to order the songs that Bradley is. United States Air Force. United States Navy. States Marine Corps. United States Army. so thankful for uh, men and women who have defended our country and what I'm going to do is I'd like to take the mic and hand it down and let you tell us what branch of service you were in and when you were in and any particular places that you served. I was in the United States Army. I was a mess sergeant in Vietnam and God brought me home safely. I was in the Army in 
1954, and uh, I was stationed in Alaska. I was in the U.S. Army from 63 to 70. I was in the Army, uh, 303rd Military Intelligence Battalion, uh, during peacetime in the early 90s. I was in the Air Force for five years, uh, two weeks straight out of um, high school, <laughs> and I was stationed in um, Florida, Hurlbut Field, uh, Germany, and um, Oklahoma City, um, where I met my husband. The United States Air Force, 1988 to 91, uh, Hurlbut Field, as well home as the Air Force Special Operations Command, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. United States Air Force, uh, 1972 to 1992, uh, served various capacities around the world, but the last hurrah was Desert Storm. Gary Marsden, United States Navy, Air, and I was in from 68 to 74, and uh, that's enough. Harold Hope, I was in... Uh, uh, Navy, I was on two ships. One of them was a destroyer escort. One of them was a destroyer. And I went in in 1957, got out in 1961. They put me in, but I, I got out in 61. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Van Bever, U.S. Navy. I served a tour on U.S. Midway Island. Got out in 1961. Uh, Martin Kuhn, I served in the Army and in the Marine Corps from 1988 to 2006. Tom Kaler, United States Marine Corps from 1970 to 1973. I was with the Hawk Light Anti-Aircraft Missile Battalion. I did my training. Vietnam was going on. I uh, finished in the spring of 71, joined my unit in Yuma, Arizona and they had gotten back from Vietnam just one month earlier, so I stayed all my time in the States. Uh, Sergeant First Class Divine, uh, U.S. Army. I've done uh, time in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Southern Philippines, and then Africa, and I served from 07 until now. Uh, my name is Matthew Potts. I came in 1993, and I escaped this year. <laughs> well, um, been all over the United States and have a tour in Iraq. Go Israel. We have a small token of our appreciation for these that have uh, served our country. And I thought it uh, fitting we used it last year to use Black Rifle Coffee again, right? Because it's just fitting. So I've tried to pick these according to branches. I've kind of picked this for the Army guys. Okay. Yeah. And then I picked this for the Air Force. It's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. And the Navy guys. 
I got you some Blackbeard's Delight. There you pirates, go. The pirates. The pirates. All right. <laughs> and the Marines, I thought you were really bad dudes, so I got you beyond black. It's oh, just uh, <laughs> really, really there, okay? No <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys very much. Let's give them a big hand. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Try to get you before you sat down. We'll sing hymn number 437, the battle hymn of the Republic.
saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. His loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood. And never till my dying breath will I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. My conscience owned and felt the guilt that plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. But with a second look he said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for your ransom paid. I died that you might live. Forever etched upon my mind is a look of him who died, the lamb I crucified. And now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place. While his death my sin displays for all the world to view Such is the mystery of grace, it seals my pardon too With pleasing grief and mournful joy my spirit now is filled That I should such a life destroy Yet live by him I kiss Forever etched upon my mind is a look of him who died, the lamb I crucified. And now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and took my place forever etched upon my mind is the look of him who died the lamb I crucified and now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and glad took my place, my place. Well, it's my honor to have uh, my good friend, Brother Martin Kuhn, come and uh, preach for us today. So, Brother Kuhn, if you'd come, I appreciate it. Well, amen, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to stand with these veterans that served. I think oftentimes what's missed, and uh, if I can be presumptuous, 
all the wives that served with their husbands, all the children that served uh, while their dad was overseas, will you please stand, wives and daughters and sons, those that served? All right, thank you. You know, it's, 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 it's not hard uh, to serve when you're serving with a, you know, someone that's got your back. And, uh, you know, so it's not always in a foxhole. Some of us were married while we were overseas, and some of us had kids while we were in the military. And so they do deserve recognition uh, and sacrifice and service. And I'm glad, uh, uh, you know, of the wife the Lord brought into, into my life. She, uh, many a times, though, we'd have conversations about, isn't it time for you to deploy again? <laughs> and... Uh, you know, because I loved the independence that she had. So when I deployed, I knew things were going okay. But then when I got home, I didn't love that independence anymore. And, and she'd say, I think it's time for you to sign up for another deployment. And uh, so apparently she enjoyed her independence as well. But thank you, ladies and children that served with your parents. I know you had less of a choice being dragged across the country. But uh, thank you for that. Elizabeth didn't stand. Uh, she should have probably. She was born in Japan. Uh, she was in service with us. Oh, she did stand? I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, uh, she, she didn't hoot and holler, you know, but, uh, but uh, uh, she was born uh, in 2005, and I got out in 2006, so she has no real memories of that. And uh, uh, it was uh, interesting in the time that... Uh, Miss Kimberly was pregnant with her. I was due to go back to Iraq, and uh, God worked things out. He hurt me in that process. I couldn't deploy, and ultimately it led to my medical separation in 2006. And uh, a lot of people tell me, aren't you excited that you got to stay home and not go back in the conflict? Of course, things were really gearing up in 2004, 5, and 6. And I told him, I said, well, you've never stayed home with a pregnant woman. And... Uh, <laughs> I'd at least go to war and can return fire. Can't do that at home. And, uh, but God has blessed, uh, blessed me with a great family that served beside me for many years, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. So I never want to, you know, my wife did. Uh, the, the Marine Corps was good about recognizing. Uh, what, I missed that. Hoorah. Hoorah, Yes. Uh, my wife was good about, uh, about the, uh, the Marine Corps was good about recognizing spouses, so my wife did, didn't receive a chest full of medals or anything, but they did a good job, and I think, you know, we need to remember that too, that a veteran doesn't generally serve alone. Sometimes we're just young guys and we don't know any different, and we serve just a couple years and then continue with life, but there are other times that we serve along uh, beside a spouse, and so we want to recognize that. Thank you for that. Uh, turn into Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, I, I, uh, when I joined the military, I, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. And, uh, you know, I... I, I, I did a year of Bible college, and then that was all the interest I had in the things of God. 
And I really didn't have that. That was just sort of an agreement when I was growing up. My parents had always convinced us that we were going to do a year of Bible college. And uh, so, like a good kid, I, you know, I, I obeyed. I re- didn't rebel openly, though I did rebel. And there were people that knew that, but it wasn't, you know, to embarrass my parents or to be obnoxious or anything like that. But my heart was not in the things of God at all. Now, I didn't. I grew up in church, and churches had days like this where they honored, uh, you know, we're very good patriots and very good in honoring our country and God and country and all that, and that was a good excuse for me to get pats on the back of everybody knowing in my heart I was being rebellious and I was going off into the military. And I, I'll be honest, I did not go to sow wild oats. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ever plan on drinking and smoking and hanging out and partying and yeah I don't know that I ever ever determined that I wasn't going to go to church anymore I just you know I I just wanted to do what I wanted to do I didn't want to have those expectations and we're going to talk today about our enemy I think it's important to know that if you're preparing for a combat mission you try to learn as much information about your your enemy when I was in the army I was uh uh, I started out as a cab scout. I was going to be a reconnaissance, uh, armored reconnaissance in front of tanks. And uh, they trained us on M113 uh, troop carriers. And half of, the, half of the company trained on M113 troop carriers. And the other half trade, trained on new M2 Bradley, or M3 Bradleys that were just coming out. And uh, so we would get exposed to both these vehicles, and the idea was that we would go out in front of an uh, armored division, and we would screen and find the enemy. We had smaller firepower, smaller profile. We would go find the enemy, and we would also, when the armor would fully engage, we were trained to protect the perimeters and stuff like this. So there was always this idea of learning your, your enemy. Now, when I finished training they sent me to other training and actually uh, never put me in a tracked vehicle again <laughs> they put uh, i became part of i think they call them lurs d now long range reconnaissance detachments but they were lerps back then and and got their name from the days of vietnam or the long range reconnaissance patrols and so i was uh, i was a slurpy i'm an alert and uh, uh you know we would go out sneak and peek in front of the enemy now when I was stationed in Germany, instead of going in front of an armored division, LERPs go in front of a corps, which is two, two and a half armored divisions, and so a much bigger force, and we would be sneaking and peeking out in front of the enemy during Desert Storm. We were the, you know, I, I often say we were the idiots on the ground that brought smart bombs into the battlefield. You know, they could drop a laser-guided munitions from aircraft and ship and, and so forth, but they were laser-guided because there was guys like me on the ground with a laser and pointing at the target. You know, we had great uh, battle damage assessment because we were like right there, could see, yeah, you blew that one up, good job. And, you know, so smart bombs are just coming new. By the way, young people don't even understand that. We didn't even have GPS in Desert Storm. Uh, we were using Loran Naval uh, uh, you know, things that came off of ships. And so we were using the Loran technology, longitude and latitude. That didn't match our grid and our map training or anything like that. So there was a lot of new things that were coming in, technology, combat-wise and everything. 
One thing they taught me as a LERP was a salute report. Anybody ever been exposed to salute? So when you would be sneaking and trying to find the enemy, you had this report that you would radio back, and to keep it simple, you would put it into this acrostic salute, S-A-L-U-T-E. Size, activity, location, unit, time, and equipment. And so in that report, I could see the size of the enemy. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at 20 tanks, uh, main battle tanks, you know, T, T50, uh, T62s. Now I think the, the Russian tanks are T72s is their old version, and they have T80s and T85s as their latest versions out there to compete with our M1s. And so in the size, there's 20 main battle tanks plus support units. Activity, they're in bivouac, they're camped, or they're moving, they're on the go. Uh, Their location, grid, uh, square, if they're standard, grid, and then a grid that looks like they're moving to the next grid, so you would give a direction of travel. And the time, what time are we seeing this report? That way, if another unit finds them, we can see that they've stayed in place for three days now, or they're moving and they're moving fast, so they're obviously going somewhere. The equipment of what they have, do they have, you know, if they're tanks, do they have a bunch of uh, support uh, trucks with them? They have five tons and seven ton trucks carrying ammunition. You know, tanks can't carry all their own bullets, and so they need trucks to follow them and trailers and, and so forth. So, so those things were critical. Why? Because somebody's about to face the enemy. And so we wanted to get as much information as we can about it. And, you know, I'll tell you this. When I was rebelling and going into the military, I didn't have a a heart to do evil. I had a heart that didn't want to do what I knew was right. It's to my shame, though that I did do evil. I underestimated the enemy that was against us spiritually, and it was only by God's grace, only by God's grace and the goodness of my wife, who thought she was marrying a kid that she knew from the youth group who was a good Christian kid, and what she married was a very confused 20-year-old who was emotionally damaged because he had buried friends in combat and and couldn't sleep and had guilt and... And, and there were times that we would go to bed and she'd hold me, I'd go to sleep, and then she'd climb into the closet because I would become violent during my sleep. But she'd only put up with that for seven years before she said, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. You are not raising children the same way I'm raising children. And she was going to church and I was playing at it. God used that and His grace and his compassion in my life to give me a chance to understand who the real enemy was and then make a choice. And I'm glad that God allowed me to make a choice to return to him. And I tell you, I don't, I'm not a pastor today because I'm trying to make up for the wrong I did. I'm a pastor today because I realized what God did in my life and what he wants to do in my life, what he can do in my life, and he'll overcome, overcome my mistakes. I'm I'm damaged, I'm scarred. My time in the military, I have a scar down my my left elbow where where I injured my my arm. I tell everybody I injured it preparing for war. 
I, I was playing tackle football. But uh, uh, broke my arm, we, you know, in the Marine Corps, and I'm sure other branches do this. But, you know, we would, we would prepare for deployment to Iraq, uh, wearing our body armor, getting to use it, moving around in our body armor. We'd play sports, and so we'd wear Kevlar vests, or Kevlar helmets and Kevlar vests, and we'd go play tackle football or combat, combat frisbee. I mean, you know, Marine Corps puts the word combat in front of every sport, you know, so <laughs> combat basketball. I mean, you know, they're, they're, fouls were optional. And, and, and if you called a foul, then they called you Navy. And uh, so... <laughs> You know, Marines couldn't call fouls. And uh, so, you know, it, it was just, you know, a whole lot, whole lot more energy than intelligence. But, you know, there was this idea. And, and, and while I was physically scarred, I see how God had used that physical scarring to allow me to go right into ministry. But God also knows that I was spiritually and emotionally scarred God's grace has allowed me to be in ministry and to stay in ministry. But we still have a real enemy. We still have an enemy that is seeking to destroy us. He's not seeking to play patty cake. He's not trying to let you get away with, you know, be your better self. Know yourself. Can I tell you, the Bible tells us we can't know ourselves. We cannot know ourselves. You say, well, that's silly. Really? Every husband in here will understand this question. Where do you want to go eat? <laughs> now tell me we know ourselves, right? Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. What are you in the mood for? I don't know. How about pizza? No, I'm not. Okay, so you don't want pizza. Well, I don't know. Where are you in the mood for? Well, bless God, there's a pizza ranch that serves pizza, salad, and fried chicken. I mean, man, if, if, if that kind of buffet doesn't satisfy everybody's appetite, you just get a divorce and move on to the next. No, 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 no. But I am saying that we don't know ourselves, do we? I mean, I am excited the Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs, but they're going to lose on Monday night against the Bills. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I'm already, I'm already set that way. Oh, one miracle a season is enough, and uh, at least it was the Chiefs, and uh, you know, but one miracle, you know, we don't know ourselves, and there's times, that, and, and a church full of people that want me to really become a, you know, you pastor in Kansas now, you need to become a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I said, no, I will not set my eyes toward Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> All right, maybe that's a wrong interpretation of scripture there, but you know, the, the idea is that we're fickle creatures. We don't know ourselves. We don't know if we're hungry or not hungry, if we're thirsty or not thirsty. And if we know we're thirsty, we don't know what we're thirsty for. We, were, we don't know what we want from day to day. And now's the season to really confuse people. What do you want for Christmas? Well, nothing. And you get nothing. I can't believe you didn't give me anything. Well, you asked for nothing. And then we confuse each other by saying, well, I didn't really want anything, but you got me this. This is what I've always wanted. Hello, why didn't you say that when I asked you the first time and make me have to have this test and this exam to try to figure it out? But God's grace is good. And while we're fickle creatures, God knows us. And then God also knows our enemy. He paints in Scripture a warning to us that we don't get too confident 
We don't get too crazy. I mentioned in Sunday school that there was a time when I was in the Marine Corps and I remember the commercials. And, and the commercials had this young guy and uh, he was wearing, uh, wearing a, uh, an officer's uniform and carrying the Marmaluke sword and he was running across this spinning pathway and there was this lava monster that was attacking him. You know, the Air Force has got, you know, fly airplanes, the Navy's got shoot destroyers and armies digging a hole and I mean the excitement of all of those branches of service and the Marine Corps is taking on lava monsters you know not very realistic but what they're telling you is man there's an adversary and whether it's a real adversary or a figment of our imagination Marines will take on every enemy that's out there and you know in scripture we find a very confident disciples that show up and talk to Jesus. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Now in the whole, the whole context of this, Jesus is talking to his disciples about uh, some of the, their opportunities of going out, the mission of the 70, if you will, where they've gone out to uh, by twos and to reach other people and they've given the report and uh, uh, you know he he this in in Luke chapter 10 we also find the story of the good Samaritan where he's talking about how we're going out to reach and we need to reach the people that nobody else is willing to reach and we've got to make sure we keep our opinion of things and our uh, our, our preference of things and and just care for the hearts and see the need that people have the Pharisee and the Levite passed on seeing a wounded man near to death and they passed on and it was the Samaritan that was, you know, the hated one of the Jews looked down upon. He was the one that came to another person's rescue. And so in this chapter, Jesus is talking about the mission of them going out two by two and talking about some of the cities and uh, how they would accept or reject Christ and talking about the Good Samaritan, we find in the middle of this, verse 19, he says, Behold, I give, you, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. <laughs> Ooh, that's a motivating verse, isn't it? Uh, you know, I don't like snakes. Well, I tell people, there's, there's three kind I don't like. I can handle the rest, the rest of them. But three snakes I'm very, 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 very much afraid of. Live ones, dead ones, and rubber ones. All the rest of them I can handle. But, you know, I'll chase them down with my mower. I'll ruin someone's yard trying to chase down a snake with my mower, you know. But here God's given us the power over snakes and scorpions. And he says we're going to be able to do it. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. But look at the next verse. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He is saying, verses, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Ye shall be more than conquerors. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These three different passages that we see in Scripture, he's saying, yeah, you're on the winning side. Yeah, you're going to be successful. But don't rejoice in the fact that you have the most power. Because we find in other verses, in this verse and in, in Peter's talk, that we face an enemy that is older than us. And in a sense, 
wiser than us to the ways of mankind. He knows how to beguile. He knows how to attack us. And we need to understand, if we're going to go into battle, the first thing we need to do is know our enemy. We need to know our enemy. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And every one of us can say, look at culture today and amen to that verse. But can I tell you, every church age has fought against culture that would destroy the things of God. We are not unique to that. During the days of Paul, and the church thought that God would come at any time because of the debauchery of Rome and the wickedness that was prevalent in society and the religious of the Pharisees that were trying to persecute and kill the Christians. And in all of those things, they were ready for the Lord's return. And we today can say, Lord, come quickly, but we need to understand we still got to stay in the fight. There's still an enemy. Every day, people die. Every day. We've now, I think this week, definitely this month, we've gone over 8 billion people on the planet. There's a lot of people that are living and dying. And the enemy is happy if they live and die without Christ. And he's happy if you get caught up in your anti-culture and he gets caught up in you telling everybody who you hate and who you're against and who you're going to vote for and forget you have a real enemy and it's not a red party, it's not a blue party, it's the devil that's trying to take people straight to hell. He's trying to convince them to go to a place of torment that was designed for him Never for mankind. But God who's a holy and a righteous God, a perfect God, cannot allow sin into His presence. And how do we get there? We get there because there is one who stands in our stead who is perfect, that is Jesus Christ. And He paid the way and we follow His path. We choose Him. We accept what He's done And that is it. So we we need to know our enemy. We need to know that he, we need to understand who he is. Do you know the word devil means accuser? Satan means adversary? This is not a, it's a punchline to comedians. And Hollywood would make a joke about it. They'd make the devil either have a pitchfork and horns and wear a red suit, or they make him real good looking to beguile and look all innocent. And the reality is the devil is all that and more. And he'll dress as an angel if he can fool people. Because if he can get you to worship an angel instead of Jehovah God, he's one. If he can get you to worship a talent, or if he can get you to worship a, 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 a personality, he's one. He don't need to get you to reject God. He needs to get you complacent so you don't tell other people about God. We need to know our enemy and understand who he is. We need to understand what he can do. He can do some serious things. I'll tell you, not to get into politics, because you know I don't like that, right? But uh, not to get into politics, but I tell you, 
October 7th, that was a real awakening for what, a, a, what an effort an enemy will do to its enemies. I mean, who's ever heard of anybody going to the war in paragliders? I mean, you know, World War II, we would pull gliders behind airplanes, transport planes, so that they could try to go in uh, behind enemy lines, and for many, that was a mess. There were very few that truly survived that as intact units. We lost more people in that effort than we did in, in, in accomplishing the mission. But it did put, it, uh, put fo- uh, friendly forces behind enemy lines. But we lost a lot. And, and it, was, it was the beginning of the parachute age, the beginning of, the, uh, of, of uh, some advancements in, in warfare and technology. And boy, there was a great sacrifice to those that were involved with it. But you know, our technology has improved so much that we don't take paraglides in the war anymore. But just a few weeks ago, an enemy did. They did paraglide. They did sit in ambushes outside of these kibbits and wait for a car to come because they couldn't scale the walls, wait for a car to come, ambush the car, and now they have free access in there. Our enemy is sneaky. And I'm not talking about the Hamas. And I'm not talking about the Iranians. And I'm not talking about the Syrians. It's a bigger picture of evil in the world. We need to understand that while we think we sit back in America with nuclear submarines and nuclear aircraft carriers and a forced projection of power and we think we're invincible, we're the superpower of the world, and if we're not careful, that kind of mentality comes into a Christian's life that thinks that we live in a nation of freedom and a nation of liberty and we can go to church any Sunday we want to and we can take it or leave it because of our freedoms. And we are a generation or less away from losing those. And if we're not using our freedoms now to influence people, why do you think we're going to be really strong Christians when it's against the law to do things? We can't be faithful when it's free. Why do we think we're going to pay a cost? Our enemy knows us and he knows how to derail us. He he understands what it is to get us off track. He understands what it is to get us us focused on good things, but not the better thing. I mean, your family is a good thing. Your, Your career is a good thing. Stewardship is a good thing. Your personality, your talents, those are good things. But if those are your idols and those are your focus, it's a bad thing. The better is to say, God, you've given me this. May I be a steward that's pleasing to you. God, you've given me this family. May I be a parent that's pleasing to you. God, you've given me this talent. May I use it to please you. Not what I can get out of it. Not what benefits me. So we know our enemy. And I, I want to paint a realistic picture of an enemy that is dangerous. But can I also tell you We need to know our commander. There is an enemy, and the enemy is powerful, but we are on the winning side. 
There is a day that the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to come to earth again and he's going to touch it. Not just the time where we meet him in the air and he draws up all the Christians in the, the rapture, the, the caught up. The rapture is not in the Bible, but the idea of being caught up is in the Bible. And so the, uh, the Latin word that connects to that is rapture, where we, or is a word where we get our English word rapture. But there is a time the Bible teaches we'll be caught up those that are alive and those that are dead, and we'll meet them in the air at the, sh- the sound of the trumpet, uh, or the shout as the sound of a trumpet. The Bible also tells us there's coming a time when Jesus will step foot on the earth. He'll step foot in the same place in the Mount of Olives where he ascended in the glory. He'll touch it again, and when he touches it, he's going to split it wide open. When he touches it, he's going to be riding a white horse. He's going to have a sword, the Word of God, a two-edged sword in his mouth. And he is going to take down the enemies that stand against him. There is no one that will be able to hide from the truth of God. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that there will be an accounting that all of us have to give. So our commander, he's on the winning side. He's the one who gives us our rallying cry. He's the one who wants us to follow him. We need to know our enemy and we need to know our commander. But guess what? Too many times nobody has a commander because they're not doing his commands. I know that's pretty deep for a Marine, huh? Well, Jesus is my commander, so you're obeying him. Well... (laughs) I mean, he's got the title commander, but really we're just going to do whatever we want to do. What kind of military unit do you think that discipline would be? It'd be like the Air Force or something, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you just did whatever you wanted to, aim high. Uh, but anyways, you know, the, the reality is, what kind of unit would be if we say we have a commander and we don't follow what the commander says? Now... <laughs> In all fairness, I'm not talking about y'all. Talk about those people that aren't here today, all right? So don't think I'm stepping on your toes, all right? I'm stepping on the toes of the people not here because you guys are doing it all right, right? Wow. No, we don't, don't we? I'll be the first to admit that I find I follow Martin Kuhn way more than I follow Jesus Christ at times. But the enemy is real. And better and stronger than the enemy is our commander. And we scoff at the enemy. And we disobey our commander. Then we wonder why we don't have victory. Well, I read my Bible. Can I tell you, that is the hardest thing for me to do in my Christian life. I want to really impress you. I don't drink alcohol. Aren't you impressed? Good. A Baptist pastor probably should not be drinking alcohol, pastor. We're not impressed with that. Hey, I want you to know, I don't smoke any cigarettes. I don't uh, do any machines that smoke it for you. (laughs) I don't do any of those things. Aren't you impressed? Well, pastor, come on, we wouldn't expect you to. I don't go any of the bad clubs on Saturday night. That's not me out clubbing. I'm not trying to, you know, get over my hangover on Sunday morning during Sunday school. Aren't you impressed? 
No, pastor, we're not impressed. You shouldn't be doing those things. What kind of pastor are you? So my point is, it doesn't matter what we're not doing if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. The hardest thing for me in my Christian life is to stay in a right spirit of prayer and Bible reading. To do it daily. <laughs> I've read the Bible through quite a few times. I've preached a lot of the stories of it. I'm very knowledgeable about the characters of Scripture. And sometimes to get to open the Bible and read it, it's easy for me to say, oh, I know what this passage talks about. And just go through the motions. And not realize that every time I open that love letter from God, I'm revealing God to me, and if I take it so casual, then I'm taking God casual. You know, if I got a love letter from my wife and I read it, oh, I love you forever and a day, oh, I love you forever and a day and a minute, and I love you forever and a day and a second, I, I said I loved you forever, all right, you know. But if I had that love letter and I saw, oh, this is so sweet for my wife, would you be impressed? You're like, ooh, she's going to get you. The reality is we do that with God's word. Oh, we don't rip it up. We got to carry it the next Sunday. But all week long, we act like it doesn't exist. Christian, we act like we forget who our enemy is. Didn't we just talk about how bad he is and how evil he is and how he's in everything and he's trying to corrupt and influence and culture and music and entertainment and everything he's trying to corrupt and he's trying to ruin, he's trying to distract, he's trying to derail? Well, I'm on Jesus' side, but I'm really not sure what he's saying to me nowadays or I've heard it already, I know what he wants, okay. Both are a wrong attitude. Both act like we don't know who the enemy is. Both act like we don't know who the commander is. I tell you, the points of the message, number three, if you're taking points, know yourself. But pastor, you said we can't know ourselves exactly. There's an enemy that's real. There's a commander that wants to lead you. Know yourself that you're prone to support him, but talk about him, then get behind and obey. It's that simple. Good Marine discipline in the, in the Marine Corps is defined as the immediate execution of authority. The immediate execution of authority. When someone gives you an order, charge the hill, you charge the hill, you don't try to count the cost. Well, am I really sure? Is this worth it for me? You charge the hill. So they'll teach you things like go faster and moonbeams and change your thinking. They'll teach you to start obey. They'll tell you to get down push-ups. They'll tell you to get down in the bodybuilders. They'll tell you to get up and march here. They'll tell you to run here. They'll tell you to double time here. They'll tell you all of these things. And the whole point is to get you to be disciplined to do it. It's not to make your life uncomfortable. But if you can't handle it in peacetime, you're going to suffer greater potentially in wartime. Christians, we're at war. We're not at peace yet. We have a moment of temporary richness in our land, but that's 
That's going by the wayside very quickly. And we need to understand there's an enemy that's after not just you and not just your family, but everybody in the world. And you're the only one that can stand in the gap. You're the few, the proud, the Christians. You're the followers of God. You're to stand in the gap. You're to stand on the wall. You're to give the warning. Ezekiel chapter 37. Save lives. Save lives. Everybody loves a hero. You know where they love the heroes the most? In heaven. Save a life. Tell others about Jesus Christ. You only will get to that point of telling others about Jesus Christ when you understand there's a real enemy. God's commanded it. I'm going to obey him and I'm going to do what he says. Otherwise, we forget the enemy, we forget the commander, and we think we got it all figured out. The reality is, we don't. We can't. This side of glory, we don't know anything. When we get to heaven, we'll know it all. We'll see how God worked it all out. We'll see how God had it planned that way. But until then, we don't know, so we better follow somebody. If you're not following the commander, I'd hate to think you're following the enemy. You're going to follow somebody, and you're going to help somebody in the battle. But why don't we follow the commander? Why don't we do what's right? And he gives the power, and then we can rejoice in that power that we have because we're on the winning side, and we're doing what our winning commander wants us to do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. I know with our days, events, and recognizing veterans, we've gone a little longer than normal. Trying to get the, the gist of the message across, we've gone a, a little longer than normal, but Lord, everything that needed to be said has been said, and I hope that hearts have been pricked. Now we're going to have an invitation where we deal with what we've heard. We're now responsible for it. And how are we going to respond? Lord, this invitation, I know your desire would be that we respond to where we're getting it right, you encourage us to stay on that path. Lord, where we're getting it wrong and we're getting sidetracked, you correct us to stay, to get back on the right path. So Lord, may each of us examine ourselves, not say that was a sermon for someone else, I hope they paid attention, that each of us examine ourselves. Do we live like we know we're in the battle and we have a real enemy? Do we obey a commander that is gracious and faithful and leading us and will not lead us astray? Or do we just think we can survive and get along and we don't even know ourselves? We need to know that we can't do it without our commander. And if we try to do it without him, all we're doing is aiding the enemy. And so, Lord, prick our hearts, convict us to be faithful and obedient to you. Now, bless this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand with our head bowed and eyes closed. Piano play, song will be sung. How do you respond? It's going to be in the little things, the little things that we do, the faithfulness that we have. If you're here and you've not saved, you've not had that event where you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've accepted what He did as the only way to heaven. He is the only path. He's the only truth. 
He's the only way. He's the only life. Today's a great day to settle that. No more doubts. No more questions. Come forward. We'll have someone show you. Lady with a lady and men with men will show you from God's Word. We won't share with you our Baptist belief or our opinion. We'll show you what God's Word says about heaven and hell and how you can know where you're going to be. If you want to pray, come use these steps as we sing. Page 270, Just As I Am. see a veteran today, thank him for their service, all right? And uh, let's go ahead and dismiss in prayer. I'm going to have the coons go ahead and go to the back, and uh, we'll have afternoon service at 1 o'clock. I encourage you to be back with us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your many blessings to us. Thank you for this time together today. Thank you for the country that you allow us to live in. I pray that we would uh, use our freedoms while we have them, bring honor and glory to you. Thank you for this time together. We ask these things in your name. Amen. God bless you.